Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Have you ever wondered why God wants us to pray? Isn't it a little arrogant for a finite, sinful human being to presume to ask God to behave in a certain way? If we really trust God, wouldn't we just say, God, you just decide whatever's best and do that. I trust you, whatever you decide. Why does God want us to ask him to do specific things instead of just keeping our ideas to ourselves and trusting him with the decision of what to do? What are you asking for? You've got to ask for the right thing in order for your prayer to be answered. It has to be according to his will. 1 John 5.14 This is the confidence that we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's the condition. So in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, Pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for his will. We've got we to ask for the right thing. If you want your prayer answered, you've got to ask the right thing. Now, you might hear that and say, ah, well, man, what good is prayer? Because if if God's only going to say yes to the stuff that's his will, isn't he going to do his will anyway? So prayer is a charade. doesn't do anything. One thing that we learned from Jesus' prayer in the garden is it's not a charade from the perspective of time. Not from eternity, but from time, where we live, looking in, in, where we don't see the future, from the perspective of time. There are multiple different scenarios that could potentially fit into God's perfect plan. Okay? It could go one way or the other. And that's why we pray. And, and, and I get that from Jesus' prayer in the garden where he says, Father, if it is possible grant this request. What does that tell us? That tells us some things are possible, some things are not possible. Possible in what sense? Is anything impossible for God because God's too weak to do it? No. He has ultimate power. He's, he, nothing's impossible because of weakness, but some things are impossible because it's impossible to fit them into his perfect plan. Right? Like if you pray, God, please cancel the second coming. He's not going <laughs> to... It's not going to work. He's, not, he's never going to say yes to that prayer. Even if you have tons of faith, you have a great relationship with God, your motive is right on the money, you got all that stuff's in place. Still, he's never going to say yes to that prayer because it's impossible to fit that into his perfect plan. Some things are impossible to fit into his plan, but there's other things that can go either way. The yes or no answer could both fit into his perfect plan. An example of that is Hezekiah's illness. Remember when Hezekiah got sick? Uh, God, what did God say to him? He, he sends Isaiah, uh, 2 Kings 20, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, came to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. And you will not recover. So that's the word of the Lord. You're going to die can that fit into God's perfect plan? Evidently, because that's what God said is going to happen. Okay? But then, what does Hezekiah do? He prays. He turned his face, verse 2, to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Verse 4, before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer and I've seen your tears and I will heal you. I will add 15 years to your life. So, evidently, 
Either scenario could have fit into God's will. Him dying right away or lasting 15 more years, either way, it could go either way. And it just, which one happened depended on prayer. So it's not that prayer is a charade, that God's going to do whatever he's going to do and then it doesn't matter if you pray. There's a different outcome because of prayer. It's, it seems that it was God's will. I mean, God's going to do his will. But it was God's will, God's plan, to for Hezekiah to die if he didn't pray and to live 15 more years if he did pray. That was God's plan from the beginning of time. And yet the prayer mattered. The prayer determined the outcome because it was a different outcome that God had planned depending on whether he did or didn't pray. See that? So do you see how some things can go either way and 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 we need... Uh, uh, the, the prayer actually matters? It actually has an impact on the outcome? So, when we pray, we need to pray according to God's will. And the reason for that is very simple. God's will is best. Right? Why would we want anything other than God's will? God's will is what's best. Why would we ask for something? I mean, why would God answer your prayer if you're, what you're praying for isn't good enough? If he wants what's best for you and you're praying for something that's not very good for you, why would God say yes to that? We don't want, aren't you glad you don't have to worry about God saying yes to those prayers? In John 11, Martha wanted Jesus to come and heal her brother. Answer, no. Why? No, I'm not going to heal him. I'm going to let him die. Why? Because he had something better. He wanted to come and let him die and then raise him from the dead. That's better. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul asked God to remove the thorn. God said, no, I got something better. I, I, I want to give you grace that's sufficient grace so that my strength will, maybe, will be made perfect in your weakness and the power of Christ will rest upon you. That's better than just removing the thorn. I read about, about a guy who was volunteering. He's at his church and he's volunteering to package up some stuff to send off to the mission field, you know. And, and uh, so he's working all day, you know. He does all this work and gets it all done. Gets in his car. He's driving home. And on the drive home, he realizes, ah, oh, I forgot my glasses. So he turns around, goes back to the church. He's looking all over for his glasses. He's searching everywhere. He can't find them. He prays, God, please, let me find my glasses. Like, you know, I need those things. Just show, show me where they are. You know right where they are. Just pl- please. Answer to that prayer was no. God didn't let him find his glass. He searched everywhere. He couldn't find him. Finally, he gave up, went home. A uh, while later, he, this, this guy gets, um, months later, he gets this communication from, from the missionaries on the field thanking him profusely for the gifts he sent, especially the glasses at the top of the box. <laughs> the missionary said, my glasses were destroyed. I can't function without them. I can't even do my work. And there's no way here to replace those. So I was, I mean, completely uh, handicapped. And, and then these glasses happened to be just the right prescription for him. Well, you think, I, I'm sure this guy read that letter and praised God for saying no to his prayer. Right? Because what he was praying wasn't good enough. God had something much better in mind than just giving his glasses back. I, I, you probably heard stories about people, you know, God, please, d- d- don't let me be late for this flight. I've got to make this flight. Don't let me miss the flight. They miss the flight. And then the plane crashes, right? Or something like that. Aren't you glad you don't have to worry about God saying yes to a prayer that's not good enough? When you don't really know, you're praying for something. God has some huge blessing for you, but you pray for something less. And God says, well, you prayed for it. I guess that's what I'll give you now. Aren't you glad he doesn't do that? Praise God for saying no to some of these prayers we pray. 
Elijah prayed. I mean, he's the model for prayer, right? He prayed a prayer that didn't get answered. He said, God, kill me. He gets depressed. He said, just kill me now. God said, no, no, I got something a little better. Uh, How about I take you up to heaven in a whirlwind and you don't even have to die? (laughs) That's better, right, than dying. Um, So when you you hear all that, um, you might just come to the conclusion... Again, well, I don't see why I would want to pray then because uh, God, he's going to do what's best. He does whatever's best. Why don't I just say, God, just do your thing. You know, you want something to go to a missionary? I don't know what you want. Just do your thing. I trust you, God. Why would I try to tell God some specific things that I think he should do or I want him to do? Why don't I just trust him to do whatever? Here's why. Here's why. Because there are a lot of wonderful things that God wants to do, but he only wants to do them as a response to prayer. He only wants to do it in response to prayer. That's part of what's going to be glorious about it. And I think there's several reasons for that. For one thing, it shows that whatever happened wasn't a random fluke. See, we live in this deistic kind of culture that, uh, or naturalistic culture where we just attribute everything to mother nature and laws of physics and chance and everything. And we just think that way. That's just the way we think. We don't think the gods are doing anything, right? We're not part of that kind of culture. And so, so um, if, if God just provided everything for us, apart from prayer, we would just start to think, oh, this is just natural. This is just the natural course of life. And we would forget it's coming from God. And it would diminish our sense of dependence on God, our sense of neediness. Like if he said yes to this prayer, I'll get it. If he says no, I won't, I need it, I want him to say yes. And it's a, it's a relationship thing again. Um, so for that reason, God will hold off on doing some of the wonderful things he's going to do in our lives until we pray. So that we'll be reminded that he's the source. That's what he did with Hezekiah, right? It was in God's heart to heal Hezekiah, but he didn't do it. He held off from doing it until Hezekiah prayed. And then he did it. And the implication is that Hezekiah hadn't prayed. It wouldn't have happened. And we're going to see the same thing with Elijah uh, with the drought. God's going to end that drought. It's in God's heart to end that drought, but he's not going to do it. He's going to hold off until Elijah prays and prays hard, prays seven times. Another reason why I think God holds off until we pray is this. He does it to help us love him more. He does it to show his favor for us. See, when we ask God for things and he grants them, that fuels the fires of our affections for God. It helps us love him more, and that's the most important command. Responding to prayer is one of the primary ways that God reveals his favor on a person. It's one, of the, it's, it's one of the primary ways that God sets himself apart from the idols because he's the God who answers prayer and they aren't. But it's also one of the primary ways that he displays his love. He shows his favor. This is what he wants to do. How many times do you see this in Scripture? Like with Moses. When there's a question mark about, is, is, that, is Moses really God's man? Or maybe Miriam and Aaron. Or whatever, and, and, and then there's this rebellion. And then, and then what happens? Miriam gets... gets um, uh, leprosy, and how does God make it clear that Moses is his man and has his favor? How does he do it? By saying, oh, I'll heal Miriam only if Moses asks me to. Right? Why? God, if you want to heal Miriam, heal her. Why do you need Moses? For? No, I'm only, I'm only going to do Moses. At, why? What, what's he doing? He's showing how much favor he has on Moses. See? Same thing with Job. Remember, with Job's three friends, 
They spoke what wasn't true about God. God was angry. Job, Job 42, verse 8, he says, My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. If he doesn't pray, I'm going to deal with you according to your folly. But if he does pray, then I'll forgive. Why? Why does Job? So I can show you that Job's got my favor. This stuff he went through wasn't because I was mad at him. He's got my favor. See? That's what God wants to do. He wants to show his favor. Um, uh, the reason God wants you to pray for things, and he's going to hold off on giving you these blessings until you pray, is because God wants to do those things, but he wants to do them in a way that shows how much he favors you. How much he loves you. I believe this is the whole reason why Jesus intercedes for us. Have you ever wonder about intercession? Why does Jesus have to intercede for us in heaven? I mean, if, 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 if the will of God, the Father, and the will of God, the Son, are identical, which they are, right? They are. You understand that. It's not that God the Father is reluctant to forgive and Jesus, he's nicer and then he has to, to get this, his Father to you know, soften up. No. They, they have the exact same will, right? So why does one have to intercede with the other for us? Why do we need one member of the Trinity interceding with the other member of the Trinity for us? Here's why. God the Father, he's not reluctant to forgive. He's not reluctant to bless. He wants to do it. He's eager to do it, but he's not going to do it until his son asks for it so that everything he does for you can be done in response to a request from his son to show his favor for his son, to exalt his son. And so everything comes through the son. I'm not going to bless you until Jesus asks me to bless you. Then I get to bless you and I get to honor my son. That's what God the Father is saying. Use your imagination. What is one blessing God could be withholding from you right now only because he's waiting for you to cry out to him in prayer for it? He's eager to give it to you. He will give it to you once you pray, but not until you pray. Give it some thought. Now imagine something else God might want to give you, but only after you pray. Once you think of a few things... Pray. Begin asking God for those things. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.